have a big career means. It's pretty broad. I was just saying, I think it spans from when you've emerged to when you retire. Um, so anywhere in between that. Um, today we're talking about mid-career pathways. Um, and we're just going to focus on, on that mid-career um, with the home game. Um, but I want to begin by uh, first just acknowledging that we are meeting on this beautiful land here, the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, and pay my respects to um, elders past and present. Um, we had a beautiful welcome at the beginning of last week, and I think this, this space that we're meeting is really sacred and valuable, and I'd like to thank Georgia, I think, uh, 
Work is an issue. I mean, is it too obvious to say money is an issue? Um, and maybe kind of an issue with a kind of. It would be great if presenters understood a little bit more about our practice and that there was a little bit more like knowledge crossover. Oh, that's such a vague thing to. to help other people uh, as much as we have the capacity for. Um, so hearing what people, what would be helpful to other people is what I'm here today to, to see how I can help. And also, I don't actually get emailed that much with people asking for help. So if I can't help, I'll let you know. But if everyone wants to email me for help, if I can, <laughs> like try it. Like sometimes it's just <coughs> me being like, oh, you should speak to this person. And if I don't know, I might know someone who knows someone else. So also just to meet people and say hi. Um, reflecting, I reckon the thing, things that were most useful for me when I was sort of trying to make that, that bridge that gap, I had, I had great support actually at the time from Perth to come in and I had 
um, space, um, to, for having space to make stuff, and space that I didn't have to pack up every day, at the end of every day, like uh, a, a residency in a, in a lot, and also at that time, CIA Studios was a thing, so there was more, there was more room to just set up and make the things for an extended period of time. And also, what the, the luxury we really had in the last great month is I had to spend um, a lot of time doing grant applications, which is, so I can just be a bit more busy with making art as opposed to the grind of applying to stuff. Um, so those sorts of things are things that I assume people want, but I don't want to provide them, but I want to, yeah, I don't know if that's true. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Lydia Kleis. I'm a uh, mid-career uh, self-producing uh, artist and also a producer of other artists. Um, uh, oh boy, have I got a lot of thoughts about this. But to boil it down, I would say it uh, can be summarised by the systematic wipeout of the second tier of this industry and all of that that it entails in terms of opportunities for presentation, uh, venue space that is mid-size, um, mm. and uh, opportunities for new work to be created in new ways. Oh, sorry. It is, this conversation is being recorded. If anyone has an issue with not wanting anything that they say to be on the recording, please let me know, sorry. Thank you, Georgia. Systematic wipeout of the second year. <laughs> 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 Hi, I'm Rachel. I am an independent self-produced dance artist. And I'm not really sure if I can answer this question, so, and, yeah. but I feel like it will be answered through many other people's responses. Can you stop making it So I'm a technical creative, working in technical fields and uh, as well as self-produced. Um, I think most people will kind of answer my things, so I guess two points. One, a little bit with Libby. I think it's hard sometimes for mid-career artists who exist outside of key or to make any kind of work at scale, uh, which I think is a bit problematic in terms of uh, pushing Australian art forms in various ways. And linked to that is I think that the lack of turnover in the key arts orgs in uh, is, is deeply problematic in terms of fostering. Oh, you know, originally it was like trying to get new creative directors into the into the key art orgs, but you know, key orgs. But now also just like organisations who are still funded at, at extraordinary rates that don't haven't turned over that style of work haven't turned over those things. I think the refreshing of the industry is is a problem as a creative artist. So, yeah. I'm Nell Campbell, a theatre artist, and. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my practice is. Like, I feel like I'm in a kind of a contemplative state at the moment, like a kind of a building, reflective place, I guess. But I do think, on a really practical level, that if we could kind of share audiences a little bit more, mm. that that would just eliminate some of the sense of risk about making work, particularly of scale independently. You know, you kind of go through the processes and you think, who's going to come? You know, like how do you? very difficult working for you to know if you even are building an audience, it's hard to quantify it. You know, those systems require structures. So, I mean, just a way that we can kind of share audiences would be amazing. I'm Ella Hetherington, uh, I've predominantly been a performer, but now I'm more of a maker and a director. Um, 
uh, what everything has said, everyone else has said, but also just from conversations out of the hub, um, access to producers coming to your showings who don't know possibly your work already seems to be a bit of a common thread that's coming here that there's a certain tier whose work gets seen and unless they've got a backer, it's really hard to get people to come into that work at an early stage. Yeah, great. Can I just ask a question that anyone can kind of answer? Which is that, do you feel like you have the ability as an independent artist to contact key people and invite them to those shows? Yes, absolutely. And I've been in a situation recently, and I'm not at anybody, um, where a showing was organised specifically around an organisation's uh, time, and they didn't come. Okay. Yeah. We often do shows, like our last show to one was um, had a, a, an audience of about 30 people that we set up for and we kind of love that. And I, I feel like that's sort of what we're looking for here is somewhere that 
facilitates and and sees that as, as a kind of goal or as an end for itself because that that is a really exciting kind of space and I think the lack of I, I don't know I mean I've, I've, I haven't identified um, where so our producer um, and a big thing about COVID is we had a show at Arts House cancelled um, so at the moment here we're kind of you know, there are a few potential options for us. We did a short thing at Pika and stuff like that. But it's kind of finding an interesting and dynamic kind of place to, to do our work that is outside the... Because our work is really unusual and it's not. It's um, that, it kind of thrives at the edges of places, basically. So that's, that's sort of... organizations don't employ artists full-time or the balance of that and I think that's something that I look at as a future model that probably needs changing um, and I think if I didn't have the last great time the thing I'd be most concerned about is freedom as an artist as in the freedom to make the work that I would like to make Uh, Kyle, I'm Brian Walton. I'm a second costume designer. Um, I'm just going to yield my time to, to be here and listen. Oh, hello, I'm Siobhan Maiden. Uh, I'm a Bunbury based performer and theatre maker with a film and radio background. I. Uh, what do I really like? I would really like for venues perhaps find creative ways of seeking funding rather than us having the choice of funding to go beyond just being a presenting venue and perhaps employ a core group of artists as an ensemble that create new content that responds to the place and the space so that it doesn't just have to be a venue for touring works. Um, and what's exciting is that there are uh, some venues who are willing to listen to that kind of proposal life break where I spent a lot of time. Uh, so that would be a dream. And Breck is Bunbury Regional Entertainment Sorry, we're de-acronising, aren't we? Yes, Bunbury Regional Entertainment Centre. Um, and the other thing, I suppose speaking from a regional voice, is uh, being a self-producing artist. We have no producers in Bunbury. <laughs> I know there's a lack of them in Perth as well, but there's absolutely none in Bunbury. So you self-produce everything, which means that
I, I just find it like unbelievable that we don't even have such a thing in, in Australia when we're a first world country and we can afford these sort of things. Um, so that's my number one thing that I would like to see all artists being able to apply for just like a base rate. It's like a minimum wage that you get. So I'd love someone to be able to advocate for that for us. Um, I don't know who can, or maybe it will require a whole bunch of organisations coming together. Um, but that, to me, would be a dream come true. Yeah, for all um, of us. For all <laughs> of us. Um, secondly, I would really like to uh, see just like, um, just where we can have like a dedicated marketing company that is formed in West Australia for West Australian artists. Because what I find is like we can we can create the work, we can deliver it, but then there's this gap where we need money to promote all of our shows, and then we have to try to budget that out of the income that we get, and it's just too much stress and pressure on us. Um, so it would be really great if there was like you know funding going into establishing an, an actual marketing company that just purely markets all different artists, it doesn't, and has just different streams, like maybe one for music, one for theatre, one for, you know, other, all different forms. Um, I'd really love to see that established in West Australia. Um, and I guess I'd like to see more, um, just, like I feel like in the arts, everything is really segregated, like everything is separate. But I feel like we could have so much crossover between dance, music, theatre, and all of that. Like, I'd like to see more networking opportunities where we could come together and actually do more meet, meet and greets. Um, because, like, even for some touring shows, like, I need costumes made, and for other things, we need, you know, production. Um, you know, where we get really good lighting and sound and all of that and usually my, in the music industry it's very, um, you know, I, I can't find costume people very easily and I can usually find someone who does um, a PA and does mixing but they might not necessarily do lighting and things like that and so I just, it would be really, really um, good to have, yeah, a good database across that's really broad, yeah. Brian's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just, I was like, okay, I can't see his biscuit installation. We've got limited time, so yeah. I'm just going to keep us moving. Thanks, Randa. Poppy, do you want to go next? Yeah, my name's Poppy. Um, I run a not-for-profit called Same Drum. Um, we just co-produce Gallic for Perth Festival with Supporting Life. And I also work as a freelance um, filmmaker, writer, director, producer, cinematographer. Um, Mm. Yeah, there's lots of things. Um, yeah, so I feel reluctant because I feel like I've been banging on about it for a decade or two, but um, I think freelance rates are too low, like, yeah. especially in the community art uh, industry. It's become this kind of standardised catch rate that's just completely unfeasible. And, um, yeah, it's been yeah. like the same rate for 20 years. I really think it needs to shift. Yeah. Mm. Hi, I'm Alex. Um, I think the thing that would just make my practice sing more would be to have a producer 
slash agent actually, that's not project to project, actually is going to help me take step by step and hold me and actually be a team together. That would be great. need the most support in and it would be ongoing admin support, not just project for project, it's a rolling kind of thing. And I think without that it will just be smaller, it might even break down, which would be so heartbreaking. Um, yeah, that and I just think it would be good like in terms of like the kind of slides <coughs> with the industries in Perth, it would be nice to have the key arts organisations Maybe this is a bit too much to ask. Just to give us a phone call every now and then, find out what the artists in their town are doing, and explain to us what's happening in this mysterious things behind the scenes. Like you only find that out once you once you're in there. It's probably not such a mystery. Like I, you know, I had a couple of those phone calls last year, and I tell you what, they made my day. It was just like, oh, like you're interested in what we're doing, or like, you know, it's just funny. Like that. That's what I felt like I needed at this point in my career. Because I think they need to understand that they can bring all those different creatives together. They can create the networking, but we can also bring up all these kids that we've got below us that we're inspiring as well. Like we've got a shit ton of like, yeah. we're mentors to people, do you know? So we can bridge those generational gaps, which I think are really important. Mm -hmm. I'm Donna Hughes, and I've been a full-time drama educator for over 25 years. Um, so I'm pretty passionate about inspiring young people to be your next audience members. Um, with diminishing numbers in drama, that's a worry um, at the moment. So um, at the same time as teaching, I've been writing plays for young people, just so that they've got you know, something that's more than a two-hander or a three-hander to, to be involved in. Um, and I guess from my perspective, because I've just gone a complete flip, I'm now writing the majority of the time and I'm freelancing as an educational consultant. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at those pathways for a playwright mm -hmm. to actually develop their work and mm -hmm. you know, working with dramaturgs and uh, director-led actor reads uh, to, to make a piece of work really excellent. Um, so I, I guess I'm, you know, I'm looking at, I, I had some development at stages WA and that folded. Um, PWA, well that's stagnant, right? And then the Emerging Writers Group at Black Swan, I don't know where that went, that sort of disappeared, which was a shame. And so I'm wondering what, what there is in WA, because if you're not attached or partnered with a company... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then, you know, you're looking over east and you're looking overseas. And that's
to visual artists, but I sit in that weird space that nobody seems to categorise, so they call it experimental and emerging. So I do some performance, live art, um, uh, socially engaged practice, um, and I still paint and draw and build sets. All the other things that you have to do to survive. And to be honest, I had no idea I was an interior artist until I got an email from Paul Lines. So, do you want to So, apparently, I'm an interior artist. I was a late starter in visual arts, even though I've worked in the arts industry for a long time. Um, so, uh, I've been sitting in the emerging artist domain, uh, but as an older emerging artist, I haven't been eligible for support. Um, I have a bunch of dumb drums I like to bang. Ruby knows a lot about the drums, so does Alex. Um, but um, fundamentally, I think that the model that we have here in Australia for arts and culture is, is flawed, deeply flawed, because it focuses on funding projects and not funding arts. Um, and what that means is that we wind up trying to build careers project by project. Yep. Um, it's not sustainable. The other drum that I want to bang is uh, the inverse relationship between success and money. Um, so uh, the more successful I become, apparently I'm now into you know, mid-career, um, and, and I'm recognised by um, institutions here in the state. Um, but what that means is that I get offered a shitload of kind. Mm. and no actual money to live on. So I've self-funded my practice. I've had one grant in 10 years. Um, I've spent an awful lot of time writing grants, um, and I've spent an awful lot of time being sustained by institutions through in-kind stuff, and I've sat across desks from on the has pointed out across the desk from them where they've said, we really want you to do this thing, but you need to write a grant application to make it happen. There are fundamentally systemic flaws in the way that we, we function within arts and culture here, that needs to shift. And I have no idea how to make it happen. <laughs>
We're just going around and everyone is introducing themselves and if you can, you don't have to, um, identifying like something that you feel is like holding you back or um, is a gap for you as a mid-career artist, whatever the
So I don't know if there's like a way to transfer that to a more kind of broad community structure of some description, but maybe. We joined the last great Producers as well. Um, working as an independent producer, so with that hat on for the moment, is also incredibly hard um, because where there is not enough resourcing and funding as well. And um, working in, the in, in an independent sense, um, it means what that means is that the producer is doing five jobs um, and not getting paid enough or getting paid a 1997 rate. Um, which is not any of your fault, but like that's just how it is. And also living project to project, yeah. because that's, and that's not sustainable either. So it's also, producers are also sinking a huge amount of time into grant writing and um, artist support with like, maybe we'll get a grant, maybe we'll all make tens of dollars on the co-op, you know, like, and that's not a sustainable way of working either. So it just means we yeah. cry together. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have someone to cry with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so, we're going to go to Andrea, and then we're going to go to Rachel, and then I we're going to go to Janet. Oh, Janet, then Rachel. Um, looking at looking at Felution, a bit of like yeah, which is great. Yeah. Thank so, um, I mean, what about looking at small business models? So, um, there's a place called the Small Business Lounge. I mean, I've never been in touch with them, but I know that <laughs> in that one space they have one person who's a bookkeeper. So, if you think of what a producer does, split up all of the tasks with producer, and that you have experts in there. In that, as a hub, so you've got a marketing person, you've got a bookkeeper, you've got a, I don't know, a cry pillow person, <laughs> like, but maybe they're there as a hub to service a variety of people that want to engage with them, like like small business hub does, yeah, for small businesses. There's so, sorry? It's like a lady startup thing that does Yeah. And maybe an action is to 
see whether the chamber could investigate that and pivot. So then we do some research with what everyone wants, and um, they've hired a consulting company who is specialist in shared services, and then we just see what they come back with and say this is what would be really useful, or actually it's not going to work because of A, B, and C. Schiller is involved in, um, in at those levels. Um, Live Performance Australia. Live yes. Performance Australia. Uh, just another couple of ideas, I guess. The model that you're suggesting about a shared service, that's how Performing Live started. Yeah. Um, with the Australian Council, the, that service was called Management and Producing Services. So it was absolutely about, which is what Performing Minds is about, is, is about supporting um, artists so that they can focus on the art and that we can help them um, to do... Performing Minds has probably gone to the next level in terms of creative producing, but that model, management and producing services, could be an option that we could look at, which is, um, you know, a, a, a collective service for, for independent artists. Again, acknowledging that it is a lot of work even to produce for, for artists. The yes. For, if, you know, we, we do need to... It, it's not a solve all. Yeah. The second thing that I've known across for a long time, which Mel may know as well, is that Duncan Ord always envisaged this um, 
this Subiakawa Centre and it has been discussed uh, in, in government levels about this being like a production house and, you know, do you want to advocate for a home that is about, you know, research and development and space and offices potentially with a management and production service within that? This is something that we've been trying to do as a part at the King Street Art Centre with a co-working space and looking at um, studios to work in there. It would not be a, a performance space. It would be absolutely directed at incubation. But in that discussion, we did talk about getting an actual proper strategy around that um, because that building is sitting in between infrastructure and arts and has no... It's sitting in limbo and no one gives a shit about it. But if we got a strategy behind that, we could potentially advocate for that to be an incubation place, which there is already six organisations resident in that company. And the third thing that I just wanted to put in, which was this really awesome um, model that I encountered in New York um, called We Are Public, and it started at, in the Netherlands, and I know that Colin Walker actually did quite a bit of research within the department a few years ago, and that... and. And, and, and they spent money on it. And that is about um, setting up a, a platform um, where people, where all of the organisations advertise, and it could, that could be, maybe it could be independent focused, um, and people pay uh, membership, like $30 a month, and they get to go and see any shows within that. Oh, oh, I can't remember the detail. But essentially it was a, it was a platform that was managed and it was um, about giving, giving more exposure to all of the arts that's happening within the city. Um, I'm just thinking about, like, it is true with, with people wanting more exposure, but each person has their own identity, and, and there's, always, there's always a struggle within that. So what are some actual platforms that have done that and risen, risen the profile of, of the arts people and invested... Um, the public in, in looking at what is actually happening in their city. Thanks, Rachel. That's I just I want to, because I know that other people have had their hands up, but I want to at any point in time, if anyone has something that I wanted to directly respond to, that um, you can let me know so that we can finish that thought before we move on to the next thought. So is there anyone who wants to directly respond to that? Abby? And then Claire? Yeah. Um, something that I've been talking about with a few other um, publicists and producers in the past year or so is what's the temperature check here if, like, say, we all put some money in, like, a nominal amount to train up a couple of, like, really fucking sick um, social media managers because they're in such short demand and then, like, there's someone who knows how to do it properly and um, understands the market that we work in and uh, then, like, we all just have... We can... They'll get work. Because we all need them. Like, is that? I mean, like, does that just need someone to go? Yeah, I'll help train them and and coordinate that. Is that something that is of interest to anyone? I think there's yeah. people already out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are a couple of them, but we need more. Yeah. There's not enough. The thing is, it's hard if you're a shit hot social media manager. There's no incentive for you to work for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually hard work. Yeah, it is. Well, this is what I mean, but if there are more people who are trained in it, that we can go, you do this bit for me so that we're not all doing seven jobs for our own shows. Yeah. 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 Yeah
the temperature check is mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is. But I guess it's like we're still in that mentality of going, 
oh, we, we're artists, we don't need to get paid, or we, we don't expect ourselves to get paid, or, or, or the models don't, don't sort of factor in that artists need to live and have a wage, and it's kind of like, and the problem is we keep doing it, <laughs> because we love doing it, you know, and audiences love it, and we, we, we get this great feeling of being able to communicate a story, but at the end of the day, artists don't get sustained because they can't sustain themselves financially. Especially as mid-career, you're too yeah. old to be doing free work. Yeah. Yeah. How many people in this room have in the last 12 to 24 months thought about giving up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most days. So that seems to be a, a key characteristic of being a mid-career artist. <laughs> I've got no place else to go. <laughs> <laughs> the company aim, uh, the company being on the Belvoir, is a reshaped version of the previous model. Um, so it's 25A now, it used to be Company B. Yeah. And so Company B built itself up to a point, um, and I was having extensive conversations with Dom and also with uh, Moldhouse and MTC because they had structures like this um, about a year and a half ago when Black Swan were in conversation around a model like this. Um, mm -hmm. Company B built itself up to a point where they were paying artists more, and so the, the stipend that you got at the start grew. SPC had an ensemble. I don't think. I don't. I don't well, I never did. Um, and then uh, new artistic director came in. A bunch of things. There was also an identity crisis. I think that happened when the shows downstairs were getting better than the shows upstairs. Um, <laughs> And, you know, that's the irony. That's the irony. Well, that, that is the irony, yeah. And it's all the independent artists. All the independent artists. Um, hot out, uh, the hot, hot bed at Black Swan yeah. had the same problem. Yeah. Um, it just got better than the stuff that was being made on the main stage. Uh, and so that got kind of killed off, and then Company B has come back in and slowly funded it. The conversations I had with those, those companies about those models is that there's also a very difficult structure from those companies' perspectives of the identity of doing work where artists aren't getting paid, but then also the company benefiting from that through audiences. Mm -hmm. And yes, the artists get exposure in that, mm -hmm. but you want to be able to support these artists through. Mm -hmm. Because the moment you start presenting work where artists are not getting paid, a question of privilege of who can afford to be an independent artist comes into play, and the Australian Council's starting, and has been in the last five years, to particularly identify that kind of level of um, privilege in who gets to make art for free, essentially. So I think companies that want to do it, I imagine would be wanting to make sure people are paid for their artistic practice. That, I think that's a, that's a bigger all situation. Other examples of, of you know production houses, I think you get away with it. There's a different identity there. The downstairs model downstairs, is, yeah. it starts to threaten the upstairs. And there's also this ch chance of them feeling, perceiving like the upstairs is exploiting the downstairs. Yes. Um, we've got a couple of people who we haven't come back to. So, Tim, do you have something to directly say to that? I mean, it's in the, it's in the ballpark of this area. I'm <laughs> sure. I'll just, I'll just do it to throw coffee. Um, it was really cool to hear um, all the stuff about um, the things that potentially do exist that I'm a bit ignorant to in terms of what this space actually could be and what King Street could be because um, I was thinking what my hand was in the air before was like yeah uh, let's let's create a 
um, uh, another space. I think I think Sam Chester. Um, I wish she was here yeah. at the moment because she might have. Uh, I just recently learned that she established. Were you guys involved in it? We were. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Did work there. Was it was it yeah. good? Did it work? It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 I was thinking that, but it was more like an old brewery that. Because there's an empty fire. space that was being developed and, and suddenly it became gentrified and oh, uplifted, sprung up all boards were put there and it just so so it created a whole kind of ecosystem. It made a community that, around that, the that doesn't matter. Like that's despicable on one hand. On the other yeah. hand, it means <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand it means that and that's what these guys had their eyes wide open right. to. Come on, let's fuck it up. Well, yeah, yeah, but but it created uh, it was a strategic way of people taking advantage of the way things are working, so that they got an outcome for artists. Mm -hmm. That's repeatable. That wasn't a charity in a kind of, in a sense, and kind of, it was a high, you know, it, it worked it's synergistically with what these people are trying to achieve, which is interesting. But that's like the many collective improvements. Yeah. Mm. Like the, I mean, visual artists and small business space. Mm. Is that the old Yeah. Yeah, that's great. They've had like six iterations. Can I just say something? Sorry, sorry, Tim, but it's really directly related to this um, corporate uh, retail, whatever, building developments. Mm. I, my understanding is that developers have to put 1% or there's an actual, mm. there's a de defined amount of money that they have to put into public art. Yeah. And in the main, that goes into visual art. But is there a way that you could shift that and say, yeah, we want you to put 1% into live art? And it's actually, I think it's, 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 um, it's, 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 it's legislated that they have to do that. As, as the artistic response, like, because you have to run the arts, he's done it as an activist. How do you do, yeah. how do you get to those? Well, I think that that's where you go and talk to, yeah. like, someone like Adrian Finney, who, yeah. who's associated with Perth Festival, and actually understand how that works and, and, and get a, and then get the government to actually advocate. You know, there's, there's a lot of space spaces in, yeah, in at the moment. Yeah. Where we were chatting to someone and they said some developer was talking about yeah. wanting to get artists in, basically. I think, I think the issue is going into an existing space ready for development means that it's always going to be. So yeah. is there a way that you can do it in a development at the beginning yeah. where it's mandated that that, that space is for live art? Mm -hmm. like yeah. Could it be a case of building a Like a fringe festival, then you might like from year to year and take advantage of those. 
those spaces with kind of a temporary setup or something well, like that? Space market. I don't space know. market. Yeah. yeah. So many is is managed by space market. Space market was a cohort of white middle class twenty somethings who saw an opportunity to actually capitalise on the fact that there were spaces and there were artists. Um, and because of the particular kind of profile they were able to generate, they were able to set up conversations mm -hmm. with these people. So Space Market have a great model mm. um, for being able to do that. But again, it comes down to, as Rachel was saying, that they're speaking to people who have an empty space for a short period mm. of time. Mm. Mm. You know. I, I think my biggest thing has always been like PTT as well. Like, what I know, I feel like there's like a little revolution brewing in me that they have <laughs> this, these beautiful spaces. Like I look at the State Theatre Centre, there is so much emptiness at the State Theatre Centre yeah. that really bugs me. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they'd rather be dark than actually fill the spaces with people being able to rehearse and have a creative hub. So rather than try to find a new space, BTG has these amazing spaces. And why not activate them in a way that's like, okay, we, they know that the month of August is going to be dark, why don't they reach out to the community to get people coming in and doing work mm -hmm. and doing stuff? Rather than us having to pay extortionate prices for PTT, there must be a way. Is I think the issue there is that those spaces are actually really expensive to run. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you know, they can give us this space for free, but actually what we pay is a lot of money for staff. Mm. And, and that's just like a, a kind of... Do they not calculate the opportunity cost of not filling those spaces no. well as part of their equation? Like, is there a way that we could lobby them? To I think then you have to have a strategy around space. <laughs> well, I, I was going to um, just speak to what Rachel said uh, a couple of conversations ago, which is about us actually getting off our asses and bombing. I think that we need a different model of independent artists that actually talks about this as a collective, as a cohort. We're being treated as a cohort in this space. Maybe that's what we need to do is continue to remain connected and to use the lobbying power of collective identity. Um, in the King Street Arts Centre, um, uh, for those of you who were there in that session, um, Shauna, who is the head of PTT programming, like she's really on board the King Street Arts Centre and, and, and understands that we need a strategy and, we, and has basically invited us to do that for the next year with a three year strategy to try and pull that centre into something that we might want it to be. I'm just telling you that because I think that there is a will there and maybe it's not King Street Arts, maybe people don't want King Street Arts Centre. But if you're talking to government and PTT, it's going to work better if it's within a PTT building, I think. Yeah. And I do think that that's the, the smart thing about working collectively and working as a cohort is that we have that insider knowledge about mm. it's going to be more strategic and better placed to lobby PTT for King Street Arts and the Centre. Let's put our energy mm. into I think the same thing. Well, I might take a bit of an action from this, um, from this chat so far. I think I'm going to have a chat to Sam and see if she's interested in doing that sort of thing again. She might be triggered by it. Um, <laughs> she's uh, definitely not interested in doing that again, but she will talk to you about it. It would be interesting mm -hmm. to find out and also change you guys about what worked and also what didn't, And because it sounds like there's maybe some more. Because it also seems like something like a performing line with the other things you said, maps. Um, of just like having some producer help uh, and that, that kind of maybe broader reaching umbrella to, to help people out, particularly if there's a venue associated with it. Because mm. um, I know I've really benefited, um, for, um, I think a lot of us here, 
particularly in the theatre, because of Kids of the Blue Room, um, where, <laughs> you, you, where, where you have that infrastructure who, that, um, uh, that, that takes a lot of that heavy lifting of, of a lot of the other things. So you can just get on with making, making the art, and then you sort of finish it, your time with the Blue Room, that sort of comes to an end, and it's a bit tricky. I very fortunately had um, Mel and PTC kind of adopt me um, after that kind of period of time where I didn't have to um, do all that crunch work of all that producing because I, I was able to lean on their infrastructure to, to get things along and then I went from that into the last great hunt where I've got other people doing all that stuff and I found that so helpful. And I also, so lobbying for some sort of space and, and gathering that kind of thing because I know that's what us as a company would also really like and I see so beneficial um, to other people. Also, um, the, I, I know it still seems a bit laughable, the, the notion of a basic in, universal basic income, but we just had it recently. Like, you know, that, that was a model that they rolled out. It freaking worked. Um, it didn't tank everything. Everybody's doing great, um, economy-wise. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think that would be, I would be very keen to lobby for something like that. It seems like something that, it's a model that worked relatively recently um, here, and it works in other countries. And I just feel like that would address some of the things that you're talking about. With if, yeah. So sorry, Tim. Yeah. I'm just going to have yeah. to wrap it up because we've actually come to the end of our time. Oh, um, did you want to say something? Yeah. Um, I actually. Oh, I have. Sam sent me a booklet. Yes. With all the things, I'll just send that out. Great. Right. That would be awesome. That's one Thank thing you actually can do. Um, and the second thing was that, um, Jana, I just want to go back to what you said about there's a finite amount of money. Mm. I actually feel like producers would give us the vision to unlock mm. other okay. things, yeah. actually. Right. And as somebody who actually doesn't work in venues, mm. um, but loves to have the community and people and brains, um, there's opportunities beyond the bricks and mortars mm. that I think yeah. I don't have capacity to even open because it's just so much heavy lifting that mm -hmm. producer could do that and I think actually in some ways I'd love them to be funded because one person could help four yeah. mm -hmm. you know and that would be great and if we could have a few more that's attracted to them because it's not attractive at the moment yeah. if we could find you know we've been talking about this model that was in Melbourne in other conversations yeah. I mm -hmm. think that that could actually open up a lot of opportunity for a lot of us do you want to just Maybe. see what that model is? Well, can you go through it, Ray? Oh, it, was just <laughs> a, it was just um, the TNA model. Theatre um, Network Australia. Theatre Network Australia, Sorry, Australia of, of basically funding producer for two years, $30,000 a year, or I don't know what the amount was, but essentially, you know, there was a proposal the other day, why don't we ask the government to fund for independent producers for two years? Mm either producers or self-producing artists so that they have a basic wage for two years and they and see what happens. See what I was just gonna say something with the space market idea too. Um, I know that they uh, in some of the negotiations of sort of lining up space, um, I think that idea of doing like short term presentations or kind of activations within those spaces probably would be quite interesting because part of the issue of like long-term lease arrangements is to do with the kind of valuation of that building mm. so the owners are hesitant mm -hmm. to do like long-term so yeah I, I was thinking on that though not, 
Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Chelsea. Sorry, just tell us. Hand up for a break. Go, go, go. It's just like the smallest. It's a tiny idea just to throw out there. It doesn't solve all the problems. It doesn't. It may be impossible resource-wise, but it just popped in my head like the idea of artists and residents models within more organizations, so that you know you actually have an artist, let's say, for a year, or a company for a year. Uh, let's say they just have a, a little space to work in mm -hmm. the desk. Yeah, yeah, they get to see stuff mm -hmm. that goes on inside an organization without having to work inside it because they want to do their work. And they get to maybe show some stuff, and like that rotates to all. You know, every organization has one of those, and like so, no one artist gets that opportunity only. And you get you get lots of people hopefully having that. But, but they only pay their pay part time across a year. Yes. Wouldn't that be great? But it's yeah. just I know resource wise, it's probably. But I think that that's something that I, I, I was thinking yeah. for the next. Oh, we should just come together as an industry and say, why don't we all just ask for this? Yeah. All of us. Mm. Put it in our web applications, yes. and then if the whole industry did that, yeah, it would be like a pretty clear president of what we wanted. Do you send out templates for presentation? I've done government lobbying in environmental areas, and, and we used to send out templates for an organised. So if, if there is like a Facebook group to send out kind of dot points, I mean, it's probably very obvious, but you know, I, don't, I wouldn't know. We have Well, we can do that. Here, the organisations so. can do that between themselves. I mean, we all get along really well. Yeah. Actually, making a decision. Um, I just want to say thank you all so much for being positive and open and having this discussion and brainstorming with me. I think there's more thinking to be done and like let's continue to have these conversations. There's a bunch of small group discussions that are happening um, next week about like I would say adjacent topics to this one that um, it would be great if people could kind of continue these conversations in those groups. Um, so keep an eye out on what's coming out on the calendar. Um, and also, if you have any further thoughts and want to keep the conversation going, you can email Tim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can also contact me. You can also contact me. I just want you, like, I want you all to know that, like, we're really contactable. So if anyone ever wants to, like, there's not a wall between the last great hunt and the rest of the industry. If anyone ever wants to chat to us. Um, all of our emails are usually just our name and then at thelastgreathunt.com, just our first name. Um, so please feel free to get in contact and ask questions or like send ideas, like we'd love to hear from you. I just also want to quickly say that just selfishly, The Last Great Hunt are currently kind of looking at, we have a little bit of money um, to put together a kind of a mid-career artist program. It's not much money um, and we're just trying to figure out what the best, most effective way of doing that is. So if you are interested in that or want to have a conversation about that, I'd love to hear from you all, all around next week. So, yeah. Can I also just say, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but we're doing um, a debrief next Friday, which we are encouraging the whole cohort to really try to attend. And in that, we will be looking at really some key things that we want to advocate for as, as a group up to the government. And I think in yesterday's panel, Marty is saying we know things need to be different, but I feel there is still, this is the time. So I really encourage you to come to that part. Thanks everyone.